0: Well, welcome everybody. Uh, we are talking today about beekeeping. Uh, I was raised in a, in a small town, and um, my grandparents had a farm in the Ukraine on the border of Romania. A little town, oh, mid-sized town of Chernauts or Chernivtsi, and that town is in a beautiful area with fertile lands, plenty of rain, beautiful forests you can grow plums, apples, walnuts, you can grow anything, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries and you could have bees. So I always worked on the farm every summer, go to school every summer, go to grandparents work on the farm and when I was 16, I took a summer job on a queen bee queen rearing farm and I fell in love with bees at the age of 16. I didn't in love with any girl anything like that I fell in love with beekeeping and I loved bees ever since I'm 51 now and I still love bees they, they are great they are they're so fascinating their world is such intricate world with interaction between all the species within the hive it's like a small city or like a small country with its laws its government and and it's such Exciting event to see the colony develop from small grow separate start new colonies and the byproduct of it is wonderful um, Fruits and nuts that we eat and you will ask why? Because of cross-pollinization. Absolutely. Somebody tell me which one food that we eat almost daily could not be on your table if it went for the bees Almonds, absolutely right. Most other fruit and nuts can can be produced there, fruit and nuts, just right, even without bees. The, the crops will be not as good, you will have fewer fruit, you will have fewer seeds in your seeds, you know, if you are raising sunflowers, for example. But almonds, if there's no honeybee, won't have a single almond on it. They are 100 percent relying on on the honeybee pollination so if you have almonds or almond milk or almond anything you have to thank bees because without the honeybees there won't be almonds at all therefore all the almond growers in california or anywhere else they entice and invite the beekeepers from all over the u.s to bring their bees for the almond growing uh, almond blossom season so today we'll talk about um pollinization <coughs> We'll talk about honey production. We'll talk about uh, organic beekeeping. We'll talk about uh, honey plants or nectar producing plants. We'll talk about how to manage bees without chemicals, without pesticides. We'll talk about things like um, ABCs of beekeeping. So we'll start with ABCs. I don't know how many of you are beekeepers. Some of you may be beekeepers, which is great. If you are not, we'll start with ABCs so we all understand what we're talking about. Now, before we do that, I'll introduce you to my family. Um, First, this is where I live. This is Wima Farm in California. My house is over here. It's not in the picture. I didn't want to brag too much. (laughs) But um, every morning I wake up, I walk on the farm, I go to see my bees right there, and I see this beautiful Carpathian mountain look. (laughs) <laughs> if you've ever been to, to the Europe, there's Alps, and there's Carpathian Mountains, and there's Tatra Mountains. And, there's, and this is the kind of mountains where my grandparents live, in, in the er, region where I was born. And it reminds me of my home. It connects w- me with my maker. Every day I walk, I pray as I walk through this farm. I come to check on my bees. Sometimes I see a bear eating honey there, you know, <laughs> sometimes I find a, a few pieces of comb on the ground, but but I say, hey, if God wants to feed the bear with my honey, that's all right, <laughs> I just come and put the, the, the box back together, and, and put the frames in, and that's how it goes, but it's a beautiful area, I have um, a wife and two children, Eric, my wife Karis, my daughter Melissa, and I also enjoy my other family, which is and uh, my kids know uh, that I love bees my wife know that I love bees and those of you who are beekeepers know what I mean it's 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 like a passion when you when you know uh, that 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 you have bees you have the coal the call of the of the wild you want to go and see your bees every day (laughs) so we'll start with the life of a bee colony my daughter's name is Melissa. Anybody knows what Melissa means? Honeybee. So my daughter is called Honeybee. <laughs> and the Latin Greek word for, for the bee is, is uh, Apis mellifera. Mel in Spanish means honey and Mere in Romanian means honey and myod in russian and ukrainian and bulgarian med means honey so it has m so melissa or mellifera pharaoh in greek means carry or bring so mellifera it's honey that brings uh, i mean bee that brings honey so um honeybees is the only social bee that actually stores honey the bees store honey the honeybees do that on a with a purpose most other bees, there's hundreds of varieties of other bees. They are good kind of helpers in agriculture. They bring nectar for, the, for every day, but they do not store for the winter. There are many other bees that hibernate. They don't eat in the winter. They don't use food. They just sort of semi, only the queen is semi-alive in the winter. And then in the spring, she lays a few eggs when it's warming up, and then they start a small colony, a few, maybe 10, 20, 100, Uh, bees in the colony then they bring food enough for the day enough to feed the babies and then as it gets colder all the babies die out you know and the queen hibernates for another winter you know but honeybees are different honeybees bring enough food for at least two years ahead and they store it in the in the colony if you imagine this is the first story of the colony and normally in the wild, bees grow, uh, bees live in hollow trees, let's say, or in a wall of a building. And they start at the bottom and start building come up, 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 and they would have babies or brood in the bottom. Then they will have some honey supply, some pollen supply. What is pollen? Just like we humans, we need carbohydrates, and we need proteins, right? And we need some fats too, not too much, all right? very little fat, a little protein, and more complex carbohydrates. That's what we need, right? Bees are the same. What is, what is carbohydrates for the bees? The nectar, right? The nectar is carbohydrate. It's basically sugary water. They condense it, evaporate water out of it, and it becomes honey. Now, what is their protein? That's the pollen. So, pollen also contains some fat, very little fat. So, they get all three major nutrients, right, for their macronutrients, I, I should, should call them, for their life. And they also get multiple, multiple micronutrients from the pollen, because pollen is very rich in micronutrients, various salts of metals, various compounds that uh, we call them, call them um, phytonutrients, or nutrients found in the plants. And, uh, and they find, find all that in in pollen. So pollen is very important. Bee, uh, honey is very important. And the colony that does that is only the honeybee. Other bees do not store for the future. Now humans use the surplus honey and pollen sometimes. And the honeybee colony is just fine because they store enough for the next few years. So the beekeeper can collect full year's supply for himself, right? And share with others, right? And that's the beauty of of beekeeping. You are not only helping the agriculture in cross-pollinization, you also have the byproduct, the honey and the bee pollen. Name a a couple of other substances that come from the bees. wax. Wax, very important. Anything else? Propolis, another very important substance. What is propolis? Anybody can tell me? It's, yes. It, it, it's sort of, it's like a rosin. It's sort of like a glue, yes. And the bees collect it of the buds of the trees, of the leaves of the trees, and of, of, the, uh, of the beginning blossoms, buds of the blossoms. Yes. What do you call it? Propolis. P-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. Yes. Uh, not exactly, but, but there's an interesting use of it for violins and cellos, I'll tell you in a moment. Propolis is, um, has very interesting uh, properties. It comes in different colors. It could be slightly yellow, it could be greenish, it could be brownish, it could be reddish, it could be red, it could be, red, it could be almost black. Propolis, depending on the source of, 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 and the plant where the bees find it. And some ancient or old violin makers used propolis for varnish. They would mix it with rosins from other trees, and they would varnish or cover their violins or cellos in a beautiful color, whatever color they wanted. They wanted red violin, they would find red propolis, add it to other rosins, and the violin would look red, or the cello would look red, so propolis, becomes very soft when it's hot and it hardens and becomes almost like like um, like dry paint when it's cold so if you play violin in the cold weather it would resonate better than if you were to play that violin in hot weather because the propolis would be uh, a little softer in that coating so but they mainly used it for the color adding color to other resins. so propolis has Very important properties that bees use that for. Uh, Propolis is natural antibiotic, its natural antifungal property, and antiviral substance. So propolis is your natural medication for the bees. So the bees use it in a very, very clever way. The word propolis actually means if you were to translate that word from Greek into English, pro means before, and polis means city. Like polis, you know, polis. Pro, polis is something that is before the city. So the bees have a city inside, right? They have this huge colony. And right at the entrance, before the city, they have a maze, like a labyrinth, that's made out of propolis. And as the bee visiting different flowers, perhaps picking some bacteria, some germs, some viruses, gets back to the city, it goes through this propolis maze, through this labyrinth before it enters its own city. So it decontaminates itself as it walks through the labyrinth and then goes in the city and it's germ-free, right? Healthy. Besides, they bring little droplets of propolis, pieces of propolis, and they chew on it and they polish. All the walls in a beehive with propolis. They polish each frame of a beehive with propolis. They polish each little cell before they deposit honey or pollen or egg for the future baby. They polish it with propolis. So it's all sterile, right? So they sterilize their hive with propolis. No germs, no, no viruses, no, no fungus. So they're very clever in that sense. Now just think, Besides, yes, question? Are they getting all these different things at different times? Uh, what was one time the or Yes. Um, or different bees? Y- yes, and we will talk more about that. But all the bees, the worker bees, have different jobs assigned to them. Of course, they interchange jobs. Sometimes they adapt, you know, when you have fewer older bees or fewer younger bees, then older bees take over jobs that younger bees do. But naturally and generally, when the bee is born, it is assigned simple jobs, like cleaning the hive or polishing the cell. When the bee gets old, about seven, eight days old. And the bees live very short lives, about 40 days. Yeah, that's how short their life is. So, at the age of about 10, uh, the, the bee can do more complicated jobs in the hive. It's raising tiny little larvas, uh, feeding them, you know, producing, their glands can produce royal jelly now to feed the queen. Their glands can produce royal jelly to feed the little larva. Their glands also start producing wax. Their abdomen has little scaly substance that is released, which is wax. They take that wax and they munch on it and they make these beautiful hexagonal shapes, cells. And those are the jobs. Some of them at the age of 18, just like humans and males in many countries, and even girls in in Israel, for example, have to go and serve in the army at the age of 18. So the bees at the age of 18 have to go and do the guard duties at the entrance. They are like soldiers right here, checking every bee that arrives at the hive. So any bee that arrives at the hive has to go through a patrol checkpoint where she'll be checked or he, if it's a drone, right, a male bee, (laughs) will be checked whether they belong to this colony or not. But drones float between the colonies because drones are not as important. They can live in this colony, this colony, or this colony. Now, the bees have very special chemical ID. It's sort of like a license plate, sort of like passport. And if this bee belongs to this colony, it comes out of this colony, goes to collect propolis, finds some propolis, brings it back, and there's three or 10 or 50 more hives, this bee will come exactly to the inch, you know, exactly to her entrance. And her, she will show her ID to the guards, and she will be let in. Or perhaps if she is a strange bee, she won't be let in because she doesn't belong in this colony, she has a different ID. What kind of IDs are those? Those are chemical IDs. They are pheromones, that's a funny, Greek word, pharaoh means to carry, mono means unique or, or single. So pheromone is a unique chemical signature that each colony has. So all the bees in this colony have that unique chemical signature, and they know we belong together, we are family. And that's, that's how, how they do stuff. So yes, they collect propolis, honey, ne- well, nectar, pollen at different times of the day, when it's available, ma- mainly spring and throughout the summer. In the winter, they cannot do any of that, unless they're in Hawaii or, you know, some other place that's tropical. But out where we live, <laughs> in the northern climates, they cannot do that. Now, let's, let's look inside of the colony. Let's look at the anatomy, N- not exactly anatomy, but the life cycle of the bees. Now, as you can see, there's three different species that live in the bee, right and you can see that is the Queen right the Queen has beautifully shaped elegant body look at at, at this guy this is a short stubby drone right (laughs) he's got huge eyes a, a pretty sizable thorax or shoulder lung capacity he's got pretty fat, stubby abdomen, and huge, powerful wings. You see, his wings are the the, the strongest. Now, the middle one is the worker bee, right? It's smaller, but it's the only one that does all the jobs in the hive. It does all the work. It it builds the comb. It polishes all the pieces of the of the hive with propolis it cleans stuff out it deposits honey it cans the honey you see these little lids on the cells it's called capping so they cap each cell when the cell is full and the honey is ripe they can that little cell they cap it with a cap so it's like a canned good you know so they seal the the honey they they seal sometimes the 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 pollen which normally deposits. well there's pollen right there they also cap the brood. You see, that's all the jobs it does in the hive. They're called hive jobs. Now, of course, the worker bee also does the field jobs, right? It goes out in the field and, and scouts for honey. There's scout bees who find out the sources. They come back to the hive and communicate to the rest of the bees what they found and how they do that, Do that? they share, right? They share some nectar, then they do a dance, a famous dance that the bees, does, the bees do in a, in a hive in the in shape of an eight, if it's a far source. And the direction of that eight will point to the, or tell the other members of the colony in which direction to fly to find the, that source of nectar. Also will tell the bees how much of it is there by the shape of that, of that eight. If it's right nearby, then it is going to be a circle dance. It'll go in a circle, and, and then goes through the circle, in a circle, and then through the circle, pointing the direction uh, relating to the sun. And the rest of the bees will go and, and find that source. So these are all the jobs this guy, little guy does. Now, as you can tell, the queen's job is to lay eggs. You see this queen right there? It's laying a tiny little egg. The egg is the size of a poppy seed, or or amaranth seed very small it's elongated and as you can tell here are the stages of development you see the different colors all right this is the chart here and the the so you could could read the labels better so your legend tells you this color means these are the three days that the egg remains at the stage of the egg so that's how fast the egg develops right So worker bee stays as the egg for three days, right? Then for the next six days, it's a what? It's a larva. It's this tiny little worm, right? And as the egg is laid, the worker bees will secrete some royal jelly and put a very small drop of royal jelly there. And the egg will feed on that for the first day or two. Then the worker bees will feed this egg when it becomes larva, not just royal jelly, but but some mixture of pollen and nectar, then this this particular uh, larva will develop, develop, will become a cocoon, and will slowly develop over the next, how many days? Six days, oh, sorry, that's the queen. Over the next, uh, let me see, 10 through 20, next 10 days, it'll be as a cocoon, and there will be plenty of supply of food, nectar and pollen inside, that it will be eating. And eventually, on the 21st day, it will emerge as a fully mature bee, a worker bee. Now, some, somebody tell me, what gender is the worker bee? I know, we female. female, absolutely right. So the worker bee is female. However, she is not fully 100% developed female. She doesn't have her reproductive organs fully developed. So she's stunned, and underdeveloped female. She had the capacity to become a fully developed female because the queen can lay two types of eggs. It can lay either a fertile egg or can lay what? Unfertile egg. So the queen decides whether she wants to raise the worker bee. And if she wants a worker bee, she lays a fertile egg. But then one day the queen realizes, hey, the nectar is coming in. Plenty of nectar is coming in the hive. And the nectar is very thin. That means that there's plenty of rain and plenty of flowers. And the queen says, hey, it's time to lay a few few drones and a few queens, yes. So why does she need drones when there's plenty of nectar? Yes. To mate with the queen, queen. absolutely right. That's a good biologist in the future there. And and this moment, the queen realizes, hey, there's plenty of food, there's sunshine and flowers evidently out there. It's good to lay a few drone eggs, unfertile eggs. And the queen decides that. She says, oh, I'll lay a few unfertile eggs. And she'll lay a bunch of unfertile eggs so she would have more males in the colony. So in the summer, they could mate with the new queens that possibly will be raised so they could start new colonies. It's sort of like families, mom and dad get married and they say, "Hey, we'll have children." And they have children. Because the children will establish new families. Yes. Oh, no. Well, yes. Yes, they they when they start a new family, all these guys, all the bees will have the same chemical ID. They will share the same pheromones. And let's say we'll and uh, continue this story. Let's say this queen laid enough worker bees, they hatched out, then she said, oh, there's beautiful summer, plenty of rain, and we will lay some drone eggs, and they did. Now, you see the difference? These are the worker bee cells. You see, they are sort of flat with the surface of the comb. Now, at the very bottom here, you see these, these cells, anybody, if you cannot, bumpy. They are bumpy and fat cells. They are drone cells. And the queen laid unfertile eggs in those. So unfertile egg means that the drone who develops out of the unfertile egg only has a mother, right? The drone doesn't have a father because the egg is not fertile. (laughs) That's very interesting. But the drone has a grandfather. Why? Because the genetic material came through the queen from a grandfather. So he is a fully developed, has complete... um, uh, Possibility to be reproductive, right? So, the drones develop out of these bumpy brood. You see, they look sort of like nine, nine millimeter bullet. In in a, <laughs> they are bumpy, and and that's where the drones come out. And then one day, the, the this one-story colony becomes crowded because they have so many babies being born every day, about two thousand, and the queen lays about two thousand eggs in a spring, and and the colony is crowded and. The bees say, hey, we are too crowded. It's time to do what? Swarm. It's time to grow and start a new family. It's time to start a new colony. So they decide to take, they starve the queen for about a week. They don't feed the queen. The queen is very heavy to fly. You see how heavy she is? She can't fly. So they don't give her any food for about a week. She becomes slim and young again, right? (laughs) And then the whole swarm, about half of the bees maybe, maybe more you know will take off out of the old colony what will prompt them to take off is this little cell anybody can tell me what that cell is sealed queen cell so what happens the bees will make queen cells and ask the queen or force the queen to lay some eggs there and the queen will lay some fertile eggs in that cell and here's what happens the same queen that lays the worker bee egg or the fertile egg will lay the fertile egg in this queen cell also same egg the only difference is that the worker bee eggs are fed what nectar and a little royal jelly the first day nectar pollen but the queen cell or the queen egg which is the same egg as regular worker bee will be fed only royal jelly so she will be that little queen cell will have tons of royal jelly and that little larva will float in the royal jelly there and eat it and it will develop the fastest you see how fast queen develops compared to the rest it develops in 14 days or 16 days it hatches out it's all that nutrition she gets from the royal jelly now not only she develops fast she also is a fully developed female you see the difference in nutrition same egg, queen and worker bee. But the difference in nutrition makes the difference in how fast they develop and how well they develop. Because this is underdeveloped female and this is fully developed female, right? So on the 16 days, this little queen in the cell will start scratching and trying to eat out through the wax because this is made out of wax. As it munches, it also will make these sounds with, with her wings. Bzz, 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 bzz. and this old queen mother queen and the rest of the bees will say it's time it's time and they will start marching to the to the exit of the hive and and one morning around 10 11 in the morning you'll be next to the hive and you hear this 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 sound of of like a buzz that is ringing like like guitar you know <laughs> like some musical instrument a beautiful sound. And you see them, bzz, 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 huge cloud of them just, just coming out of the colony, coming out of the colony. And and then the old queen, who is now slim and can fly again, flies out together with them. And as they see that the queen is with them, the whole swarm will st- start moving in, in a direction of a nearby bush or nearby house or fence. Or if there's nothing and there's a human there, they will come and settle on a human as a beard or they'll cover the human and in bees completely and they'll stay there for maybe half a day Waiting until some of their scouts will go and find a suitable housing So the scouts will go and look for a hollow tree or a crack in a building where there's empty wall And when the scouts found the suitable Space they'll come back and tell the rest of the swarm. Hey, we found it. The whole thing just takes off And within 10-15 minutes they are back in uh, they are afresh in their new home yes question that's a very good question beekeepers don't like seeing swarms go away why because you're losing your bees (laughs) and they could have brought you lots of honey and and so beekeepers try to prevent swarming how do you prevent swarming normally if you have a colony that's one story and in a spring by depends on where you live If you are in Minnesota by May, if you are in California by February, it'll be full of honey. I mean full of bees and honey too. So they will be crowded. So the beekeepers try to prevent overcrowding. So they come and check on the colony, take the lid off. If you don't see black, if you take lid off and if your bees are black, because bees come in yellow color, mixture of colors, and if you don't see like color covering the whole colony then they are not ready to swarm but if you took a lid and they are just coming out like boiling milk if you have a boil milk (laughs) then they are ready to swarm so the beekeepers try to give extra space so what you do you take another box and you put it on top of it intermix some frames you know so they're not crowded down there so give them plenty of room and you try to keep your queens young because young queens don't like swarming all the queens do swarm more often so you keep them, certain varieties of bees don't like swarming. Other varieties like swarming every year. For example, Africanized bee likes swarming two or three or five times every year. Now, Italian bee is kind of a lazy bee. It, it likes taking things from the neighbors. It's kind of, kind of th- has a feverish character to it. And it doesn't like swarming very much, uh, as, as much as the Africanized bee. Now, there's another bee uh, that uh, we, we call it Caucasian bee, and there's another bee, Carniolian bee. They all have different rate of swarming. They, they, they're not all the same. So how do you prevent swarming? You give them plenty of space, and you try to keep young queens. What does that mean? When you see that the colony is crowded, and you, you, you say, okay, this colony is already three-story high, and I don't want it seven stories, then you take and make a split out of this colony. You take the old queen or the, take the eggs and the worker bees and make a start, start a new colony somewhere else. That's how you prevent that. So, see? You were talking about the fertilized eggs for the workers. Yes. Um, now, here's how it happens. The fertilization of the eggs happens only one time. Well, no, I shouldn't say it. The queen... Fertilize eggs every day because she is in charge of both the eggs and the semen or the sperm. How does that happen? When the new queen, we, we just didn't come all the way there, when the new queen started sending signals bzz, 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 and they all took off with the bunch of bees and they swarmed away, the new queen hatched out. And she will stay in the hive for a couple of days. And if it's a beautiful sunny morning, somewhere, you know, from the old queen does. The old one does, yeah. The old queen leaves with the guys. Now the new hatches out and in a couple of days it'll go on, on orientational flight or reconnaissance flight. It'll recognize all the th- territory around and, and come back to her colony. And then on a nice sunny calm day when it's not too windy, what they will do. There's places like, for example, if you turn around, see that valley there, down the pasture, beautiful pasture down there area of about a kilometer or just under a mile often is designated by the drones. And drones, I remember, they they are the grooms that are looking for the brides. So the drones on a sunny, calm day would be flying around in that valley there, just like butterflies, you know, flying around. They're just circling around, and you see these big eyes? You see these antenna? They are not just flying for the thrill of flying they are looking for the new virgin queens. So as they're flying in that valley, one morning this new queen that hatched out will say, hey, I want to start a family. I want to get married, right? And this queen will go out and go straight to that uh, uh, singles club where the single drones are flying around, right? And, and she will, will be flying high and the drones are down here, you know, and And these huge eyes will notice her right away. And these antenna will feel all the chemical pheromone information that she sends. And these guys, there will be hundreds of them there, thousands, they will immediately detect the queen. And the strongest, most powerful will zoom up to her, mate with her, and the queen will receive many mates. It's a polygamous relationship. I don't know, yeah. What happens to the drone? It has a very, very uh, easy job. His whole job is, he doesn't do any work in the hive. His only job is to mate with the queen. So he mates with the queen. The moment he mates, all his reproductive organs with all the supply of sperm is swallowed by the queen's abdomen. And the moment he mates, he falls over dead and falls down to the ground. But it's better than than some of the insects. You know, some of the insects uh, are more cruel. A praying mantis, for example, the female will eat the the male. (laughs) Now the bees don't do that, okay? So as that happened, other drones, other males will fly around and see that queen. So the queen will mate with maybe 10, 20 drones, and she will have the supply and all the reproductive uh, organs of the males in her abdomen. You see how big that abdomen is? She has enough sperm for the rest of her life, which can last between three, five years, to fertilize the eggs as she wishes. She wishes not to, she won't fertilize them. Every day she will fertilize egg and lay it if she wants. She can lay up to 2,000 eggs, and she has billions of sperm in her abdomen to control what she wants to do. So she she has the control uh, in the the bee family (laughs) what she wants to do, yes. They are, but they mate in a flight. They don't mate in a hive. They mate in mid-flight. They do not mate in a hive. It's a special event. It's like a wedding. When you do a wedding, you don't do it in your kitchen, right? You have a special church. You have a special pomp and circumstance event, right? <laughs> so that's, that's the same thing. It's a big event for them. It's, um, for the drone, it's both the wedding and the funeral. But for the queen, it's just the beginning of, of a beautiful life, right? So... We have, and that's the biology of the bee and reproduction of the bee. So we have this cycle that happens every year. So this cycle of life repeats every every 30, 40 days. We have a new generation in the summer, right? Because in the summer, the queen lays tons of eggs, thousands of eggs every day. Thousands of bees die every day because their life is about 30, 40 days. And the harder they work, if they have to bring pollen and nectar and propolis and do all the cleaning job and polishing job and capping the job, uh, jobs in the hive, they are tired. They wear out. You actually can see the wings of the worker bees worn out. You can just ripped and, and broken. And then it dies. They don't die in a hive in the summer. They fly away to die just like Japanese elderly people. They don't die, well, in old and, um, in later and many years ago. The Japanese people used to go out of the, hive and dive some, out of the house and die somewhere else, you know? <laughs> so the bees do the same thing. Yes? When um, the new one hatches out, are there some of the older bees left there of the monkey bees? Yes, yes. So she's making new new bees join with the older ones. Yeah, the half of the bees, or maybe less than half, will stay. Sometimes you have a second swarm or a third swarm because I need to silence that because the the bees will um, the bees will make more than one Queen cell so there will be many Queen cells and if the colony is very strong they will release a first swarm with the old Queen and then this the Queens will start buzzing the new Queens about to be born and their warning their buzz is a warning they say to the other Queen hey if you don't want to fight you'd better take off and and the queen will take off with a bunch of bees. And then the new queen is about to hatch, and then she hatched, and she's running around trying to destroy the other queen cells and kill the other qu- queens there. But if she didn't manage, and some other queen hatched also, they will have a fight, and, and one of them will survive. Sometimes, this queen that just hatched will hear another queen buzzing, and she say, well, I don't want to fight, so what, what is my choice? I'll swarm again. So there will be a second swarm and a third swarm and a fourth swarm sometimes if the colony is strong. And for example, um, certain varieties of bees like swarming a lot. And they had genetically, they will do four or five swarms. You know, (laughs) Some bees swarm once. But if you're a good beekeeper, you will prevent swarming by either making a split or giving them plenty of room and keeping your queens young every two years. So that's the, the key to prevent swarming and keeping the bees in your, family rather than somewhere wild in the trees so the cycle repeats every 30-40 days because the queen keeps laying eggs new bees hatch out and they work they bring all the all the honey and the pollen they pollinate cross pollinate fruit and nuts and die the cycle begins again the only one that's permanent in the hive is who the queen what happens to the drones they die when do they die when they mate. But there are only, only a few lucky drones will mate. There's, there's hundreds of drones in the hive, and only maybe 10 or 20 of them will ever mate. The rest are members of the family. They do, don't do any work, but they keep the morale of the colony. You know, when you have a few males in the house, it's, it's, it's necessary, right? <laughs> so they keep the, keep, keep the home happy, and uh, they also do something that we don't value very much we don't think it's important but they keep the temperature of the hive warm at the cold weather time you know when the weather is cold the few more bodies that they provide you know provides extra heat right so that's the only job the other job they do they eat lots of honey they eat a lot they eat lots of pollen yeah and um, in the fall their life is very easy. It's eat, dance, you know, eat, fly. Maybe you'll, you'll get married, maybe, right? But you'll die the same day, so not a big deal. But in the fall, some of these guys that are having the life of ease and laziness mostly will pay a very high price for this lifestyle. Guess what that high price is? In the fall, the bees, when it, yeah, when it's cold, and the weather is changing and the winter is coming, the bees limit their access to the honey supply. So the drones get starved and weak. Eventually, the bees will limit them to only crawling on the floor of the colony. So in the fall, if you open the colony, you look at the floor of the colony, you see hundreds of drones just walking on the floor. And you say, why are they there? Well, it's because the bees won't let them go up. Eventually, the bees will chase them out and they'll be on the outside of of the colony, on the box on the hive and if they still persist and want to go in the bees will drag them off and toss them off on the ground and those drones are so weak they can't fight so they die so that's the high price for laziness right (laughs) now these guys are hard workers this guy or the queen she's the only one that lives beyond one year she lives three four five years maybe the rest of these are very temporary these live one season and if they made, they live very short lives. This guy lives about 30, 40 days in the summer. However, the winter is coming, and the, all the newly born bees have one single job to accomplish. The bees that lived in the summer accomplished a very important job. They provided all the supplies of what? Honey and pollen. So there's enough food in the colony. And by the way, for a colony in moderate climates, if you have one story that is babies and the second story, identical to this, that is all full of honey and pollen, that's enough food for one year. If you have three-story hive, that means that the third story is yours. So you can take the third story and say, hey, that's my honey. As long as the bees have one box of honey and one box of brood, they are fine. So that's how it goes. And this cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. Yes, you leave the bottom two for the winter, and they have brood or babies in the bottom, in the winter, the queen slows down laying eggs. So your, your brood nest becomes smaller and smaller. You have less and less brood, less, fewer and fewer eggs are laid. So eventually, queen stops laying eggs if it's cold. So in the winter, in California sometime in end of December, second week, yeah, December, where I live, December, maybe first week of January, the queen doesn't lay eggs. It's kind of cold and rainy and gray but then it warms up, and second part of, maybe even first week of January, the queen will start laying eggs again. And when there's fresh pollen coming in, fresh nectar, early January, and if you feed them a little bit extra food, what would you feed the bees? You probably would feed them some sugar, some some kind of carbohydrate. It's not a good idea to feed them corn syrup. Most beekeepers do that but it's not a good idea because corn is genetically modified today. And what does that mean? That means that genetically modified stuff has been sprayed with all kinds of pesticides. Why do they do genetic modification? To make it easy for the farmer to grow, you know. You develop genetically a a kind of corn that that is resistant to pesticide. You can spray that corn with, with Roundup many times, and the corn will stay and, you know, will be fine but all the weeds will die around the corn so it's a way of weeding for the farmers right for commercial farmers or non-organic farming is it kind of hot here you feel all right shall we open the door it's hot outside mosquitoes Mosquitoes, okay so so what happens here we uh, beekeepers feed the bees if they are not organic beekeepers they will feed them corn syrup not a good idea because it has pes- pesticides, okay? Now, if you want to keep your bees organic and clean and, and pesticide free you would want to feed them sugar mixed with water, 50-50, okay? Pound of sugar, a, a jar of sugar, a jar of water, mix it hot, let it cool down, and you feed your bees. You may want to use cane sugar because cane sugar is non-genetically modified. It's not a GMO. Now, sugar beets are GMO crop. So they all, also are sprayed with, with, with pesticides left and right. So you would like to stick with, if you were to feed your, your bees. Um, what happens after, after the queen, basically in the winter when the queen stops laying eggs, the colony sl- becomes very small. And you remember, you have two boxes. The colony is fairly small. In the spring, the, this colony will co- with, basically will form a cluster, a basketball-sized cluster. And the colder it gets, the tighter this cluster will be. If it's really cold like in Minnesota or Canada or Russia, the cluster will become really small and really tight, and there will be a crust to this cluster. And it's like a basketball, you know, for example. And inside of of this, in the middle of this sphere, the queen and the bees are running like it's summer because they maintain the temperature inside of this ball at 96 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's like summer inside. They run around, lay eggs, because it's already spring, for example. Still winter, but it's warming up, so the queen starts laying egg. And on a cold night, they will shrink in a tighter cluster, and the bees on the outside in the crust will do their duty for 10, 20 minutes, dive inside. Those inside that are warm will go out and take their turn on the duty on the outside to keep it warm. And they will keep the queen and those inside warm, and the brood, the babies, will be warm just like it was summer. As it warms up, and the days are warmer and the nights are shorter, the cluster will become uh, less dense, eventually grow up and cover all the frames. When the temperature is above 50 degrees Fahrenheit, the bees, this cluster will disintegrate and the bees will be running around and going out of the hive and checking out the weather. And if it's warmer, like 55 and 60, they will fly around and look for flowers and um, they will find some flowers. Somehow their vision Extends beyond what we see we see up to violet, right we see we start with with uh, With uh, what is the first color in our spectrum? Uh, What uh, children tell me red, Red, that's right start 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 with red and Goes all the way to violet right? spectrum now the B spectrum of vision what they see is shifted a little bit higher in frequency they do not see red so it's shifted forward on this scale so they don't see red however they see beyond violet so they see the what color the ultra violet which basically gives them the ability to see the way you see in the black light show anybody seen black light show You know, you see these white gloves and you see glowing things at you, right? So the bees have the ability to see the flowers in that ultraviolet light, and those flowers glow at them and invite them miles away. So they just fly out and they see it already. You don't see any flower, but the bee does. Of course, the antenna has ability to sense uh, chemicals present in the air and sense the, the flowers far away, and it goes and finds them. So they start the cycle in the spring again. The same cycle repeats. So that's some of biology and development of the bee. We will not go into anatomy. It's not something we are doing in ABCs. But there's very intricate anatomy that that we could talk about in in, in the bees. Would you like to take a break or should we continue on? Or what do you say? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.